And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage herself, Mama Vadden. How are you? I'm good. One day we're going to have a radio show because I want to be live, live, live. <laughs> I thought we've done a live episode. Maybe we have. We have. I, I've always wanted my own radio show. Like, seriously, I used to say when I was in high school, I don't have, I don't have any interest in media or radio or anything like that. I just want a platform to talk about whatever I want to talk about. That's really what it's about. I, I worked at my college radio <laughs> station a little bit. I was often a guest on, like, my, my friends all had their own radio shows. I could never get my shit together enough to, like, mm -hmm. organize a radio show. That takes work. But I would be a guest on, like, a bunch of my friends' radio shows on a bunch mm -hmm. of different topics. So I'm used to being on the mic. Gotcha. I don't want to learn how to do the buttons. I just want to sit with a microphone in front of me and just talk. <laughs> Like it's, seriously. Well, you should well uh conservative talk radio. That's that's perfect. Just sit there I'm and just stream of radio. consciousness, just say whatever effed up stuff comes to your head I and know, make millions right? of dollars. Like <laughs> Rush Limbaugh is my hero. Oh my gosh. I am one hundred percent cutting that out. So the good thing is <clears throat> that we have this podcast. So I do have a platform to talk and I get to talk about one of my favorite things. Um or as someone called it, oh, autism must be your special interest. I'm like, oh, I guess so. Um, since we're throwing that phrase around everywhere. Uh, it's just so funny when people say special interest. It sounds so dirty. <laughs> it sounds dirty. I mean, it's better than what they used to call it, which is obsession. I know, I know, I know, I know. Even though it kind of um, is an obsession. I, I don't mean well, to veer off, have, uh, off the tracks, but it basically is an obsession. Well, this is what I, I think is so funny. I think it's so funny that it's okay for little Bobby over there who's not autistic to be obsessed with baseball or um, a baseball team and they come to visit him in the hospital, but it's not okay when an autistic child is obsessed over baseball. Like that's the problem that I always have with when people would get irritated by someone's obsession or special. Well, so that's control. because Lil Bobby, who's presumably neurotypical or, or is it autistic or allistic? Point is, it doesn't have autism. I don't know all the phrases. It doesn't have autism. He knows when not to talk about that. If he's older than the age of like six, he knows, Lil Bobby knows not to just talk about whatever his special interest is over and over and over because Younger autistic people don't know how to do that. It takes us longer to learn not to do that. People say we're obsessed with it because we won't shut the hell up about it. So let's talk about the kids who are not talking about it. They just want to play with trains all day, or they just want to play with shapes and want everything to do with shapes. They're not necessarily talking about shapes. It's just that somebody wants them to be interested in animals. Well, they're not interested in animals, so let them play with the shapes. But we are not here to talk about are we changing our topic <laughs> no no we just sort of this is my fault i really pulled us in the wrong direction but at least at least we're autism themed this is like the third time we've tried this and the first two times had nothing to do with autism so we're That's getting it. a little closer but for That's the love it. of god and for the love of the sanity of our listeners stacy tell us what our topic is today <laughs> I just have to say this first. It's so funny because I, when you said for our listeners, when I listen to morning shows on the radio, I'm like, I cannot believe people get paid just to talk about nothing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just did that. <laughs> I'm not getting paid, but I just did that. 
All right, so we didn't talk about nothing. We talked about a really good topic in regards to everything autism. And today- well, we already did special one to us for an app, so go check it out. Yes, we're done. So today, um, the topic for today is about to-do list, but it's also about um, avoiding uh, autistic burnout and recognizing the signs, but mostly it's about the focus on to-do list. And- uh, Torrin asked me to explain when I kind of brought it up. And so the 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 sort of underlying foundation of the to-do list came out of me talking to some young adults that I've been coaching, as well as some moms. And one of the things I recognized is that when <clears throat> either, you know, neurodivergent, whether autistic, autistic, ADHD, uh, individuals struggle with getting tasks done, we know executive functioning gets in the way, right? We've talked about that. We know that organization skills sometimes can sometimes be not as efficient or consistent, but we don't ever talk about the ongoing to-do list, right? Um, you know how we talk about when our kids are little and they want to know when they're finished. It's like when you become a certain age, uh, teens, young adults, uh, or adults that are older, you're never finished with the to-do list. And so how do you avoid autistic burnout when you are constantly presented with to-do list, right? When I think of my autistic moms who are parenting autistic children, they have a to-do list every day, whether it's laundry or groceries or children or school or prepping or whatever it is that they have to do and even work um, sometimes, you never get reprieve. And so how do you avoid not having so many to-do lists, prioritizing your to-do list, or sometimes just saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that to-do list, to list today. Uh, so what, what's your your take on this, Torin? <laughs> well, I, my first question is, what do you mean by like to-do list? Do you mean like ah. a literal like list of errands or just like simple executive functioning that's like daily acts of living? That's, you always ask such great questions. Um, it is my- That thinking, wasn't organic. I told her before the podcast, like every time no, I ask you questions, just not. remind me how great I am asking questions. I'm the greatest <laughs> interview. I'm Ted Koppel. So um, I don't visualize it as a literal checklist of things to do. I am, it's literally the to-do list of life right? Like life just doesn't pause. I mean, I think a few months ago, um, I was in a, a point in a state where I was like, I just want life to pause. Like I just needed to pause for two days, like just pause for two days. Where's the pause button? Because it becomes overwhelming. Now I am not an autistic individual that has an experience of autistic burnout, but autistic individuals do. And so for them, it's a different experience than um, per se, in terms, in terms of being able to recover, right? I, I find that the recovery time, it's not that people who are non-autistic can't get some sort of burnout, but I think the recovery sometimes looks a little different for autistic folks. What, what, what do you, what do you say on that, Torm, based on my response to your question? Well, my thing is, I feel like you have both the literal and sort of the metaphorical contribute to the burnout. So mm -hmm. you have the literal, which is I have errands to do. So I have to go food. If you're an adult, let's say, I have to go food shopping, and I gotta go remember to get the dog's flea medication and 
I got to remember to go edit the app podcast episode so I actually get it up on time and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. And as an adult, for example, that just never, the older you get, the more to-do list and the more, the longer to do, to the to-do list, Jesus, gets. Yes. And that's why you see more burnout. That's why when people talk about burnout, you think of adults because you just have so many responsibilities. You're constantly behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the other side of acts of daily living, which is goes into executive function, which is also kind of a to-do list. For example, I wake mm-hmm. up, I got to remember, okay, I got to go make my bed because I don't deal well with a messy bed. I, just, I, I feel depressed when I have a messy bed. I don't know why, but I can never make my bed. And then I got to take my caffeine so I can, because I'm a caffeine addict and I need to function. I got to remember to take my vitamins and I got to remember to brush my teeth. And then I have to go on Facebook to watch somebody tell me that I don't know anything about autism. And then I got to go check my Twitter to have someone with a swastika in their picture tell me I'm a communist. And then I have to go on Instagram to have someone driving a Ferrari tell me how much of a loser I am. <laughs> and then I have to go downstairs and then I have to go make what I usually eat for lunch. So let's say it's tuna salad. I got to remember to go grab the tuna and I got to go get the plug in the electric can opener and they're all in different parts of the room. And then ah. there's all this little things that I have to sort of put together in a sequential pattern, which goes into mm-hmm. executive functioning, mm-hmm. which I struggle with, especially right when I wake up, for example. And if I'm in burnout, that becomes harder. It becomes like mm-hmm. eating soup with a fork. Mm-hmm. And what you see is a lot of children have that same issue. It's just they can't articulate it the way I did. Yeah. So that I think is a related but sort of a separate problem or at least mm-hmm. semi-separate so when you think of um i think of it in terms it reminds me of like visual schedules right um tell you where to go and then when you get there the visual supports tell you what to do when you get there right so i think of that uh, metaphorical life is about getting through the day and then Um, getting through the day requires a lot of different routines, a lot of different tasks, a lot of different to-do lists to check off. Even if it's each have their own component parts. Exactly. That takes a a certain amount of executive functioning. Exactly. And if you think about even like running errands, right? Running errands, it's like, oh, I have to go drop close to the cleaners. I have to go to the post office and then I have to go to the grocery store. And then when you go to the grocery store, you've got a list to go through to make sure you get everything at the grocery store. So it's a whole bunch of stuff that is required for us to get through a day and be productive. So I guess what I um, wanted to talk about, because you know, in the work that I do with um, parents specifically who are responsible for a lot, I have to help them determine what things to take off the to-do list. Because if you can't do everything on the to-do list and, and, and finish the week without crawling in the corner all weekend, it doesn't, it's futile, right? So how do we streamline the to-do list? Uh, I, I will say that for parents, I find the most difficulty is delegating it over to someone else. And that usually is because they know they do it the right way or they do it the way they like it done, right? But we can't sustain that. Does that make sense? I know you're Yeah, no, exactly. Um, in terms of a young adult who is single, they go in with the perspective of I'm a young adult and I need to be able to do it all on my own and be independent. And therefore they don't reach out for support, right? Like reach out for people to do things um, or, or 
have people come over to help them get things done. So that strategy is, uh, you know, asking for help, getting her help and delegating is part of decreasing the to-do list. Because well, if that, you can't that, get the to-do list, there's done, a you can't certain get it done. arc. Well, there's a, I'm sorry for cutting you off. There's no, a certain arc. You start mm -hmm. as a child and you're like, mommy, help me. And then you become a teenager and young adult. It's like, I can do it myself. And then you're about my age. I'm about to be 31. And you're like, mommy, help me. You sort of, you sort of go back to where you started. You're like, oh, no, you this is actually really hard. Yeah, no, no, no. that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, I don't think that, and the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because I always talk about, you know, remember our kids are working hard. Remember autistic individuals are working hard every day, right? Our kids are working hard to get through the school day and therapy and all these tasks and no one's, you know, even if they are getting provided their sensory activities, it's still a lot of hard work, right? And I think that we forget about this. It's not only about the checklist, it's about getting through life, getting through the day. And as we get older, as my dad always said, the older you get, the bigger your problems get and the more complex. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't want to grow up. I don't want to have bigger problems than I have now in high school. When what? In high school, your biggest problem is, I don't know, somebody didn't ask you to the homecoming dance. I, I don't know, whatever. This is going to be one long okay. bleep. Oh my gosh, not one long bleep. All right, so to-do list. Like life is a bunch of to-do lists. Like it literally is to-do list. You wake up in the morning, what do you have to do? Then when you get to something, what do I have to do to do this, right? I have to clean the kitchen. What do I have to do to clean the kitchen? I got to empty the dishwasher. I got to put the new dishes in. I got to make sure there's tons of things we have to execute all day long and it's exhausting. So how do you balance that? How do you balance it, Torin? You don't. Ah. legitimately you don't well as an adult so speaking from perspective as an autistic adult whose executive mm -hmm. functioning is quite frankly dog shit mm -hmm. you don't really balance it you sort of just do the best you can then you burn out and sort of everything starts to fall apart then you get your spoons back and you're playing catch up and then you burn out from the effort of playing catch up and then things fall apart, and then you get your spoons back, and you play catch up, and then you burn out. And that's sort of just this pattern you go through. And I'm being a little bit tongue in cheek, but unfortunately, only a little bit, because mm -hmm. it is very difficult. Because as an adult, you have all these things that need to get done. And then mm -hmm. once you become a parent, that multiplies exponentially. Yes. And you just don't have the bandwidth to be able to handle everything. So you're constantly playing from behind. The few things that, you, that I do that can mitigate it, that work for me personally, is I try to limit transitions. And that could be something as simple as try not to move from one room to the other unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. um, try not to jump from too many tasks at once. If you're going to do a task, book some time to do the task. Try to do the same things over and over so you become more routine, so they're a little easier. But... Uh, I, I want to have some really good advice, but I'm being honest, there really isn't that much you can do except get good at what you do, try to eliminate unforeseen things that could interrupt your schedule, and just try to become so automatic at what you do on a daily basis that you don't even really have to think about most of the stuff you do. Mm -hmm. But even then, once you're in burnout, it doesn't matter how routine something is, you have to mm -hmm. think about everything just because your brain power, your brain's in survival mode. So it's on like yeah. 
it's on like half power. It's in high. It's it's like when you switch to like just the electric part of your car, and it's like sluggish and doesn't accelerate very quickly. That's mm -hmm. what it's like. So the answer, the long way to say this is, there's there's not much you can do, unfortunately. I think you gave a lot of great suggestions. I you know what I heard from that was, you need to understand your strengths. You need to know how you process information. So, um, you know, if you know that um, it's hard for me to keep transitioning from one activity to another one room. So you structure your day so that you don't have to do that. You try to avoid those circumstances. And then, um, like you said, you the other part is you accept the fact that sometimes you're not going to be able to avoid burnout. Um, I think those are very, very clear, concrete strategies um, within the, the information that you shared. What I would like to, to know, I'm curious to know, um, <clears throat> in terms of what would help parents who are parenting teens who are in that last two or three years of high school, you know, where maybe they're, you know, doing a lot of extracurricular for college stuff on the college application, or they have really high expectations for themselves for their GPA because they're trying to get into a certain school, but they are spiraling into burnout. Like what, and, and not saying necessarily for parents to avoid or fix or make the burnout not happen, for them to understand why they all of a sudden are not able to do i would see that's such a tough one because a lot of those are you run up against problem of limited bandwidth versus mm -hmm. necessary stuff to do so mm -hmm. assuming they haven't introduced the idea of spoon theory yet mm -hmm. that i think would be a good time to do it i believe we've talked about it on the podcast not for a while so i'm going to summarize mm -hmm. spoon theory was created by I forget her name, but uh, she struggled with lupus. So as a theory to help people who had autoimmune diseases manage their energy, because when you have an autoimmune disease, it's like every day you have a certain amount of sort of energy that you can do before your autoimmune disease kicks in, starts kicking your ass. But we found it works for a lot of people with like autism, ADHD. So the analogy she uses, picture you have a bunch of spoons, like grab every spoon in your house, hold them in your hands. And each task you have to do takes a spoon away or burns through a spoon. So let's say I have to brush my teeth, then I have to shower, then I have to prep my lunch, then I have to go to work, then I have to pick my son up from daycare. Each of those takes a spoon. And once you have spoons, your ability to function pretty much falls off a cliff. And if you string too many days in a row where you're running out of spoons, mm -hmm you're going to have, you're going to wake up every day with less and less spoons to work with until you wake up and you have basically no spoons and you're just screwed from start to finish. So I would say into spoon theory, because the idea being learn what takes what energy, because different things take different amounts of spoons. So yes. learn how to manage, how to budget your spoons, basically. How it's to like Weight Watchers. Them. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Like Weight Watchers, how to sort of keep what in reserve or when are certain situations where you know you have to push hard because there's mm -hmm. going to be times in life where you have to just blow through all your spoons, blow through all your energy and just understand for the next few days afterwards, I'm going to be spent. But mm -hmm. let's say you have a final coming up. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have a big sporting <clears throat> event. Let's say you're, 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 you're part of the planning committee for your school dance. Mm -hmm. 
you're going to have to push extra hard. There's no way around it. You just have to understand on the back end, you might have a week or two where you're just spent. But what yeah. you're getting in your analogy is people who are constantly overexerting themselves and then never having enough spoons to cover everything they need and their mm -hmm. mental health and executive functioning is just deteriorating week by week. Yeah. The only thing you can do in that situation is you have to pull back on stuff. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's a simple math equation. The amount of spoons you have versus the amount of spoons required to do all the stuff you want to do. Mm -hmm. One of the things, and this may sound a little harsh, but they're going to learn this lesson eventually. It's like I had to learn this lesson. It sucks. Is as a autistic person, as someone whose executive functioning is not as good as a neurotypical or a neuroconformist, that's mm -hmm. the new word I like to use, neuroconformist. Mm -hmm. There's just certain things you're not going to be able to do. You're not simply going to just be able to outwork everybody. Mm -hmm. It's it's not a great reality, but it's true. You have to pick and choose. Okay, I'm on the planning committee for homecoming. I'm doing this extracurricular for college. I'm getting my grades up. You got to find what is the most important. Let's say I want to get into a really good school. That's important. Mm -hmm. I've, I, I have trouble understanding that because I'm someone who went to like a school to let everybody in. But let's say you <laughs> want to get in, into a really important college. Go to that admissions office, call the admissions office, ask them, what is more important, extracurriculars or grades? What do they value ah. more? And they will tell you, because I had to mm -hmm. ask this, yeah. because I didn't have much going for me at all, for example. So I had to figure out, okay, what has to look really good for me to get into school? Yep. That's so find great. out, what does the school want, for example? Or that's just an example. Find what is the absolute most important, and then you're going to have to let some stuff go. And that's a crappy feeling. But that's how you're going to get by in life. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. So when you think about to-do list and you think about sometimes your to-do list is more than the spoons allotted for the day, what do you personally find is the first thing to be ignored on your to-do list? Ooh, I would say my personal health. So I would say... I don't, I, I start skipping the gym. I start, I've always battled my weight, but I'll start just binge eating because as a way to cope and as like a sensory thing, I'll just start binge eating. I'll stop working out. I will stop doing, getting ahead of any work that I have to do. So like mm -hmm. I'll fall behind on this podcast and get upload or think I uploaded and turns out I didn't. Those are some of the first things to start to go. Mm -hmm. The second thing will be my ability to regulate my emotions. So okay. why can't regulate my emotions? That just means I'm angry all the time. Like I'm just always angry. So I become very unpleasant to be around. My sleep will start to deteriorate. And then I'll start losing an ability to sort of be, to sort of speak coherently. Mm -hmm. I could still speak. I never lose the ability to speak, but I start sounding like Joe Biden or Donald Trump. It's just mm -mm. words, mm -mm. but the words don't mean much of anything. Gotcha. So what are one or two things that are never ignored on your to-do list? Um, personal hygiene. That's one that I, I never let go. Just because All right, so I was that's younger, one of your priorities. Yeah, mm -hmm. when I was younger, I used to have that. And I just feel so uncomfortable being dirty, being mm -hmm. not having my beard kempt. I'm mm -hmm. trying to grow out a beard. Because I'm, I'm in that stage of like, entering my 30s as a man where I have to grow a beard because we all have issues with our masculinity. So that takes some upkeep. 
So not letting my beard look too homeless looking, making mm-hmm. sure my personal hygiene is on track, making sure uh, I'm regulating my caffeine intake, all of those things, just because it's less priority, more just I'm so miserable if I'm not doing those and so uncomfortable mm-hmm. that I kind of have to do them. So they sort of, and obviously like things like eating and stuff, there are some autistic people who forget to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I really need to, I need to find those people and they need to teach me their ways so I can forget <laughs> to eat. Cause I start eating more. I start eating everything in sight. We've got to, we've got to uh, tweak your interoceptive system to not. Uh, yeah. Like I, I, I could, I could, I could stand and lose 50 pounds. I could stand to, to forget to eat a meal every now and then that sounds cool. But for me, I never forget to eat and things like that. Um, I don't forget to drink or 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 anything like that. But okay. I will forget things like uploading the podcast. I'll forget appointments, mm-hmm. things like that. But yeah, stuff that never breaks me is like personal hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, and my morning routine and stuff, it's so routine at this point that mm-hmm. I've been doing it for so long. I'm such a stickler for like schedules and systems that it never really breaks, even if I'm not doing well. Got it. Got it. And, you know, it's interesting when you were saying uh, your priorities, right? Which is hygiene um, and eating. And See, I, um... I don't like the term priorities. And the reason, okay. the only reason I don't like that is because oftentimes parents will use that as, oh, if it was your priority, you would get it done. And it's less of a matter, as if you can choose that. And it's less mm-hmm. of a matter of that and more a matter of, of I'm so uncomfortable, for example, yes. if I don't shower, I can smell myself. And I'm a bigger yes. guy too, and I sweat a lot. So I got to shower, I got to shower quite frequently. So I smell myself, I can feel myself. I can, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be on camera, we record these podcasts, so I'll be on camera I'll, and it's an HD camera. So I'll see how unkempt I look. Mm-hmm. Like those sort of things where I have to go take care of myself because I just mm-hmm. feel disgusting. I smell disgusting. It's not mm-hmm. a priority of, I choose to put my spoons into this. But our priorities are typically driven by motivation. So if your motivation is to be clean because it makes you feel uncomfortable, then you're going to have being clean as a priority. I agree. But like I said, my big worry about that is parents misuse that. Yes, they think no, I you should totally be, get then your you point. should feel the same way about yes. these things that I want you to do. Exactly. And I want to get that and, across that that's not how yeah, it works. Exactly. I think that I think that what you're what you're I, I, I think your point is very good in terms of parents sometimes assume that their priorities are the same priorities everyone else has, even within a couple. The priorities that a mom may have is not the same. And I'm not saying moms versus dads. I'm saying that if you just have two people, right, in a household that are parenting, um, they each have different priorities, right, as far as what it is that motivates them, whatever it is, right? It just doesn't really matter. Um, And sometimes I think that people, especially people in a family unit, expect everyone to have the same motivation that drives their priority and that every like cleaning a lot of times whoever likes the house clean is like i don't understand why well there it doesn't bother them so they're not motivated to clean that's why it's not a priority like it's really that simple but people who have that as a need it's it's hard for them to get it so you are correct it does cause conflict when parents try to what is the word um 
uh, is it embroach their priorities on their children because it is different. It's it's no different than my favorite story about when I see a parent and a child walking and you know kids are kids and so sometimes. Uh, kids will like walk on the edge of the sidewalk to like a balance beam and you'll hear a mother say or a dad say don't do that you're going to fall and I'm thinking that's not motivating for that that they don't have the same thoughts around falling as you do so when you say that it's not going to stop them from doing it that's why you have to keep saying over and over again because I'll say it you're going to fall you're going to fall and I always want to tell those parents you know that they don't have the same motivation around not falling that you do right like for kids they just don't think yeah, about until it. they fall the first time and even some kids that fall it's like oh whatever it's worth the risk of doing the fun like who cares you see daredevil people all the time jumping their bikes on ramps breaking their arm coming right back to jump that's on how you learn yeah so um definitely when it comes to the to-do list and streamlining or shifting changing or adjusting um we also have to keep in mind that everyone is going to have a different uh, one or two things that is always going to be um, on the to-do list and get completed. And the other things are just going to fall short. See, that's the thing. And mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. But I just think since we're, we're recording this for people who presumably aren't autistic or mm -hmm. who are parents of autistic kids, that's the bulk mm -hmm. of our audience. I need to get this message across that right. when we say priorities, for example, mm -hmm. I'm prioritizing going to the gym. Mm -hmm. So I'm making a conscious effort, which takes me a lot of spoons to make sure mm -hmm. I have everything I need to go to the gym at a certain time. I'm prioritizing not eating like an asshole. So I'm purposely using willpower. I'm purposely prepping my meals ahead of time. That's mm -hmm. stuff I'm prioritizing. I don't think about showering. I just do it. I don't think about brushing my teeth. I just do it. Just like you. You don't think about that stuff. I do have if to think about that. If you're prioritizing something, <laughs> most people don't. If you're prioritizing something, you're putting, it implies you're putting conscious effort into doing it, which implies it can be changed. I don't want to give anybody yes. the chance or the opportunity to think that if an autistic person isn't doing something, it can simply be changed by just putting in more effort. That's my issue with with saying it's prioritizing or mm -hmm. it's on the to-do list. I completely agree with what you're saying, but no, a I lot of people just don't mm -hmm. think like that. They think yes. if so, they, they hear the word priority and they think mm -hmm. just get it done. Just get it done. Exactly. It's no different than when they say, well, they were able to do um, you know, they were able to do it the last time. It's like, well, today they can't, right? Like they were able to fold their clothes the last three times you had laundry, but today they're not able to. Maybe tomorrow they can, um, because sometimes it just doesn't. Thank just you. And what will a lot of parents say? Well, it wasn't their priority because it wasn't their priority. We'll get it done. They always yes. remember what their special interest is. They yeah. prioritize their special interest. But, if they but cared, everyone does. if they cared, they would prioritize folding laundry. That's what they yes. say. I've had to hear exactly. that. I've had to hear it. That's what a lot of mm -hmm. uh, autistic people have to hear. So that's what worries me about that yeah. phrase. Yes. No, no, no. I totally get it. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because it is important for our listeners to understand the different perspectives. Um, I think it's also hard for parents to, um, to recognize and accept that 
it doesn't bother their kid if they're stinky. Like some kids really don't care if they're stinky, even though the parents don't want them to be stinky. Some kids really don't care. And it's just not something that motivates them. Um, so I think that is always a struggle for a lot of parents. And so therefore, sometimes they feel that their child is not prioritizing it. Um, and it's like, it's just not something that is something that important to them. Uh, but anyway, we're not talking about priorities, but you made a good point, Torin, a good point. So I'm going to go back to the to-do list because for some reason I can't get away from to-do list. <laughs> and I want to talk about, we've been talking a little bit about like getting stuff done, making your to-do list, things you have to get through to the day. So what about the um, social emotional to-do list? Uh, in terms of having to greet your coworkers or having to sit in a team meeting, right, um, on Zoom and you're not allowed to turn your video off or um, having to um, participate in a family uh, activity. Um, and you just, it's like, that's more to do, social, emotional to-dos, right? I have to do all these things. What What is your... Like, do you feel that that is part of that overall life things we have to do? Um, because I do find that socially interacting with people is a lot of work for everyone, but some people just enjoy the work more than others. Well, first, I'll answer your question in a second. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to go back to what we were talking about for just one more second. Of course. The more I think about it, the more I realize there's the to-do list of stuff you have to consciously do and mm -hmm. stuff you just do automatically. I use the example of hygiene. Well, the reason mm -hmm. hygiene is automatic for me, it wasn't when I was a kid. But mm -hmm. once you've been bullied enough for smelling like shit, you consciously make sure, at least I did, mm -hmm. to shower mm -hmm. and to wear clean clothes and, and to, to, to hang my stuff up and yada, yada, yada. Do the things to not smell so people don't bully you. And uh -huh. I'm 31 now. This started when I was 13. It's been 20 years. It's become automatic to me to shower and brush my teeth to the point where it doesn't really take much. It doesn't take spoons. It doesn't take energy. Yeah. Because I do it. I do it the same time every day in the same way. Mm -hmm. Every to the point where it's it, 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 it's second nature. Mm -hmm. It's like how I'm using hand gestures to talk right now on camera. I don't even mm -hmm. notice I'm doing it because I've done it for so long. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get your child to do something. If they're capable of doing it, if it is something they are capable of doing consistently, have them do it every day at the same time under the same circumstance. You want them to fold their clothes, fold the clothes every day, same time under the same circumstances, and you have to do it for a while, weeks, months, possibly years, to get it to the point where it's a habit. Because mm -hmm. once it's a habit, it's mm -hmm. not going to break yeah. because they can do it automatically without really having to use their brain power. Mm -hmm. obviously you can't do this with every single thing you want them to do there's yeah. only but so many things you can learn but if there's something super important that you feel is necessary for them to learn and they mm -hmm. are already capable of doing it have them do it every day in a consistent manner to a point where it's part of their routine because people not just autistic people people like routines yes. like pay attention to people who aren't autistic pay attention to what they do every single day oh, there's routines involved people like routines yeah. To answer your question about sort of social interactions and the mm -hmm. social to-do list, mm -hmm. yes, it does take a lot. And it varies per person. Yes. Some people are 
better at being social than others. Some people have to do more. There's really no way you can avoid it because I can't give general advice because it really depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have a Zoom meeting at work. If you have to be on camera, let's say your boss is and he wants you on camera, there's really nothing you can do. It's a be on camera, smile, do what you're supposed to. You're just going to have to veg out afterwards. You're going to have mm-hmm. to understand that's going to blow through your spoons. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be kind of useless for the next few hours. But that there's just nothing you can do. You just have to understand that. So don't plan something else. Don't be like, okay, I have the Zoom meeting, then I have to go to the dentist. Yeah. Don't do that because then you will end up in burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like I'm doing this podcast right now. I'm looking into the camera. It's not filmed, but I try to not look like I'm tripping on acid while <laughs> why while I talk, which is what I kind of normally look like when I talk. I have a bright ring light in my face to light me up so I don't look like I'm recording from a dark alley somewhere. And I'm trying to talk in a way that sounds coherent, which doesn't sound natural for me. It doesn't come naturally to me. All of this takes spoons. So Mm -hmm. after this podcast, after our normal recordings, in fact, I generally just veg out for a couple of hours. I believe I have to hit the gym later today, but I'm going to have like a window of about an hour and a half where I'm not really planning on doing much of anything. I don't have, I, I've scheduled my day that I don't have anything urgently needs to be done in the next hour. So I'm going to use that sort of recharge my batteries, watch some YouTube videos, uh, drink a little coffee, and then go hit the gym, which also takes up spoons. Mm-hmm. So some things are unavoidable. Mm-hmm. That's that when it comes to social interactions, there's not really much you can do. You kind of just have to deal with it and deal with the repercussions that come afterwards. So I'm going to rephrase that and say that you did give a solution. (laughs) And the solution I heard was um, going back to knowing yourself, right? So if you know that being in a Zoom meeting is going to use a lot of spoons um, in terms of having to socially engage, uh, then you want to put in your schedule to have that time you need to regroup, right? Um, Or replenish your spoons or just to... Um, whatever word and terminology you want to use. So I think that that's a really good thing for our listeners to hear in terms of, from a parent perspective, you can guide your children into scheduling time to sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, decompress after some kind of social engagement. Um, And then as an adult, you can put that into your routine. I remember when I heard Karen Rose um, speak for the first time, and he said that when he finishes presenting and, you know, he's very fluent and, and, and people think, oh, he can't possibly be autistic. <laughs> he says when he finishes presenting, he has to sit five to six hours in a dark room upstairs before he can go down to engage with his family because he is wiped. Like he's probably minus spoons by the time he finishes. Um, and like you said, it's part of life. But if you know, then you can at least proactively plan the recoup time, right? Instead of just going and going and going into the never-ending to-do list. Did I say that in a coherent way that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. And thank you for, yeah. for paraphrasing. And another thing I'd like to add is when helping your child make their schedule, you're not going to be able to implement very much if they're already in burnout. I know yeah. it's tempting because everything seems sort of like on fire and you want to immediately put out the fire, but you have to slowly introduce stuff because yeah. their bandwidth is already limited because they're in crisis. So yeah. 
picture if I had to do something really stressful, like you have to go shopping on New Year's Eve, on Christmas Eve in Times Square. That's why I said New Year's Eve, because so I was thinking that Times Square. That sounds so like exciting Macy's. to me. If you've ever been to Macy's on New uh, on Christmas Eve, it, it, it it's hell. It's honestly hell, not just for like autistic people in general. It's crowded. Everyone. go. I want to go. I want to go. You can't actually get anywhere because of all the crowds. So picture doing that, and you finally get home. You like you put down the heavy bags that you've been carrying up the flight of stairs because your elevator broke, and you're like, "Ooh, that was stressful." And I pop out of nowhere and be like, "Okay, cool. Let's go to the gym. We're going to do we're going to do super squats." Mm-hmm. The fuck? Super squats. Yeah. yeah, 20 rep squats. It's great. I've never done squats. Well, you're going to learn today, but I'm tired. Doesn't matter. You're going to learn super squats. And I pull yeah. you and we go to the gym and we go squat and you just are miserable as hell and, and like nothing's operating properly. That's what's like. You can't mm-hmm. do something when someone's already in pain, when someone's yeah. already struggling. So yeah. if you want to implement this, wait until they're in a better spot. And if their situation is the reason they can't get to a better spot, you got to cut things out. So if that means yep. you got to cut out the extracurricular activities. By the way, the extracurricular activities don't mean that much to getting into college. Go back to what we were saying mm-hmm. earlier. They really don't. Yeah. Power to say they do. They really don't give a shit. I didn't do any, any extracurriculars. They didn't care. They don't really care. They care about like, who, if you're going to a really good school, they care about like who you know, like who your mom was and like mm-hmm. what's your GPA in high school. That's all they give a crap about. So cut extracurriculars, cut out any sort of like everything that can be cut gets cut. Mm-hmm. You go on maintenance mode until you can get your energy back and get your wits about you. And then you start implementing the changes. Mm-hmm. And and what I will say just to sort of close it up in, in the conversation. Um, and I actually gave this um, suggestion to a new client today. You know, we get caught up in the to-do list of life, the deadlines, you know, I have to, the semester's going to end, the teacher needs it, my boss needs it. The reality of it is meeting those deadlines and not taking care of yourself in terms of avoiding a huge crash is not in your best interest. You may meet the deadline, but then you can't even like follow through with the project because now you're totally burnt out, right? Or if you push through college, trying to keep up with the hours you need for your scholarship, you may get through the semester, but then you crash when you graduate and now you have a mental health crisis and you can't even do the job that you just went to school for. So I think it is giving ourselves permission to think about, is it always worth the grind of pushing ourselves too far? Um, and then we're not able to um, enjoy the the the... What is the phrase that they have? The reap the something the of fruits, our reap the fruits of your labor. That's it. Reap the fruits of your labor. Clearly, I am not an autistic gestalt language processor. I suck at scripting. <laughs> what is a gestalt language processor? Completely unrelated, but I keep hearing that phrase. I have no idea what it means. So those are our folks that don't learn language or don't process language in one individual, right? They're more sort of like the whole picture. So those are those kids that you're going to hear like echo things or script, pull scripts from YouTube. Um, They are not necessarily, those are the kids that you will see that they're not making progress in traditional speech therapy, or they're not making progress with building their language in that ABA setting because it's all just rote stuff right um they just I thought everybody did that no no no, no. that's because that's what I do 
no one knows there it because are... I'm, I'm good at varying stuff to make mm -hmm. it sound original but like I there's not an original thought in my head nothing I say is original not even the tone of voice everything is just stuff I've heard from somebody else yeah. that I have a really good memory and I just recycle mm -hmm. it and combine it together to, to create a personality and because I know what sounds good and I know like where to hit emotional beats and things like that but like nothing's original that comes out of my mouth so I'm going to end this with telling the listeners to rewind and listen to what Torin just said, because if you think about what he just said, in order to communicate and socially engage, that's a lot of stuff on his to-do list. That's a lot. So give your kids grace, give your spouses grace, whoever the autistic person is in your world, give them grace because it's a lot of hard work to get through the to-do list. All right, Torin. It is. Be, be, being neurodivergent is, mm -hmm. it can be a trip. It can be hard. Um, there's a lot of good. I don't want to make it all sound negative. There's a yeah. lot of good. But we, we have challenges. And mm -hmm. the world is not sort of equipped for how we think, which mm -hmm. is weird only because most people are neurodivergent. Once you get mm -hmm. like the expanded definition of neurodivergent, meaning you think differently than the norm, that's pretty much everybody. Some people are just better at conforming than others. Mm -hmm. But for the people who aren't as good at conforming society's uh, arbitrary norms, it can be really difficult because it's trying to fit a square peg to a round hole or vice versa. But yep. Stacy, that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism, including to-do list. <laughs> See ya.